6. And if you're using a blue Bible like the one I've got here, it's on page uh, 866. John chapter 7. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival, because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken... Why are you angry at me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. At this point, some of the people in Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is, speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man comes from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I'm from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. They said, When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, 
where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go to where our people live, scattered among the Greeks, and teach the Greeks? What did, the, did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Thanks, John. Thank you, Vic. Thanks, to everybody, for being here and participating in our day of prayer. It's an encouragement to me. And can I encourage you, if you are able, to stay after the service. We're having a simple morning tea. We want people to stay and pray. We try and do this once a year. We're people of faith. Can you please stay and just uphold uh, the concerns of our church and matters of our world before the Lord? That would be wonderful. Thank you for being, being here and doing that already. Um, now, it's a day of prayer, but nothing stops for our journey through the Gospel of John during term time. So we're continuing on, and it's a long passage, and uh, you may think it's got absolutely nothing to do with prayer, and maybe you're correct, but I was encouraged that it perhaps in the big picture of the story of John's Gospel and the story of the Gospel, it actually has a lot to do with prayer. Let me pray. Father, help us to understand this long passage, even as we have a shorter talk on it, and help us to see the need and the wonderful privilege we have in approaching Jesus in prayer. Amen. Well, we're in John's Gospel, as I said. We started in John's Gospel where Jesus is the Word of God. He is the light of the world. He is life for the world. And then this guy, John the Baptist, appears and he says about this man, Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He must increase, I must decrease. Jesus goes to a wedding and he performs his first sign, his first miracle, where he turns water into the best wine. Jesus goes down to Jerusalem from up north in Galilee where he lives and he clears the temple out. And people are saying, who is this guy who throws all the money exchanges out of the temple? One man, a religious leader named Nicodemus, comes to him by night inquiring about his ministry and eternal life and Jesus reveals to him that you need to believe in him, that he is the saviour, he is Messiah. Now, in Jerusalem, because Jesus did this big thing in the temple, there's a bit of resistance, so he heads off back up north, back to his hometown of Galilee, but he has to pass through the area of Samaria where these despised half-breed Jews live that everybody hates called Samaritans. And he bumps into a woman at a well, an outcast woman, even in her community, And he tells her that he offers living water that will spring up to eternal life. Her life is changed and she shares with others and many Samaritans come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised King. He heads up north and he starts to perform miracles and people are coming to him, but particularly one royal official who probably served King Herod. His son is extremely sick and he says, will you heal my son? And Jesus says, your son is healed and he believes in Jesus. He comes, I think, to believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. Can you see that Jesus' ministry is building and building throughout this time? He goes back to Jerusalem and he heals a man who does many things there, but one particular healing he does is a man by a pool who's been an invalid for 38 years. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the religious leaders, the man's pretty happy, but the religious leaders are horrified. You did this on the Sabbath day, on the holy day. You can't work on the Sabbath day. And there is more turmoil and more distress 
and more wondering about who this man Jesus is. Jesus returns again because it's just getting a bit hot in Jerusalem back to Galilee, back up north and the crowds are coming to him in huge numbers to hear his teaching and to see what he does. He withdraws up on a hillside, up on a mountainside and the crowds come to him and he feeds them with five loaves and two fish as he teaches them. The next day he gets to go away with his disciples. He walks on the water, incredible story. Only his disciples see that. But the crowds follow him to another town because they're wanting the same again. Do it again, Jesus. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach them. And he says to them, basically, you want to fill your bellies? Here's the thing, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's all about me. You've got to come and believe in me and eat my flesh and drink my blood. And this is hard teaching and people aren't sure. And we read last week, as Johnny shared with you, in John chapter 6, verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We come to chapter 7 with this big reading we just had. Jesus' ministry has been building and building and building, but it now enters a state of flux. A time of transition. I think it's a little bit like baking a cake. You take all these neat little pieces and you start putting them together and mixing them up. They enter a state of flux. It looks messy. But it's only transitionary because we're heading somewhere. We're baking a cake. The events in chapter 7, I think, are essential to God's purposes. But as you read through this chapter, I don't know if you can follow it in Vic's reading because it feels a little bit mixed up and a bit different to what's gone before. Lots of things are happening. It starts in Galilee where, as I've said, Jesus is a bit of a hero. It's the festival of the tabernacles, which is a wonderful harvest festival, particularly in Jerusalem where lots of people go. And his brothers, Jesus' brothers, well, hey, my brother is a bit of a religious guru. He's a bit of a wonder worker. He's been healing and in speaking. And there he is in the back blocks of Galilee where nobody's around and he's got all these crowds following him and it's a bit like he's a big hit in Townsville. And his brothers come to him and say, hey, bro, man, Feastal of Tabernacles, you should be in Jerusalem. That's where the action is. That's where people will follow you. You need to start your world tour, brother Jesus. We're told here that they didn't believe. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. You see, they knew, they thought, you're a religious specialist, you're a wonder worker, you're a teacher. You should be in Jerusalem. They didn't seem to understand that he's actually the Son of God. He's the Word of God. They don't get it. So the brothers go alone up to Jerusalem. Jesus says says to them, 
My time is not yet here. For you guys, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. And he stayed in Galilee. So off they go alone. And Jesus, however, goes up privately. He goes up probably days later. Up in Jerusalem, it's all a stir. It's the festival. They're all saying, hey, where's this guy Jesus? Where's the wonder worker? Where's this teacher? And people are debating about whether he's good or bad, but Jesus is not there. Jesus is elusive. Until halfway through the, ta- ta- the, the festival, Jesus arrives, keeps a low profile, but then, for not for long, because then he goes to the temple and he begins to teach in the very heart of the temple. People say, who is this man? Where does he get this learning and teaching from? And people are amazed. Everything on the outside is in a state of flux, though. People are saying, what's going on? Where's Jesus? And some hate him and some say, hey, 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 maybe he's not so bad. But throughout, Jesus is solid. He's not in flux. My teaching, verse 16, is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law, says Jesus. Why are you trying to kill me? It's all a mess. It's all all over the place. But Jesus says, I speak for God. And you say you follow Moses, but you don't. Poof. Jesus is bringing challenge. Jesus is bringing division. It's like you take the cake mix and you put it into the centrifuge and you spin it around and things slowly start to separate. There's division happening. People are asking questions. Verse 25. Some of the, some of the people in Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Again, Jesus is solid. They're asking their questions, but Jesus is solid. Jesus, still teaching the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me and you know where I'm from. Yeah, the hick from Galilee. Now he says, I am not here on my own authority. But he who sent me is true. You do not know him. But I know him because I am from him and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still many in the crowd believed in him. They said when the Messiah comes will he perform more signs than this man? We're baking a cake It's all looking messy. Things are all mixed up. There is this division happening, but it's not mixed up in God's purposes as the Lord Jesus knows because all of this mess is heading somewhere. This is not the end. This chapter 7 is the time of flux, 
and transition. And Jesus seems to be elusive. Who is he? But there is a time to come when everything will be brought to completion. If you like, the cake will be baked. Jesus makes much of timing in this passage and he is totally in control of the time. He says to his brothers, verse 6, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. He says in verse 8, You go to the festival, I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After his teaching in Jerusalem and he's being challenged and people are trying to sort him out, he says in verse 30, They tried to seize him but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. The religious leaders send temple guards to seize Jesus because they've had enough to arrest him. And Jesus again speaks about the time. It's not the end yet. The cake's not baked. This is still the time of flux and decision. But the end is coming, says Jesus. Verse 33, I am with you for only a short time and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go to our people who live scattered amongst the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Jesus is speaking about the end. He will go away and they will not be able to follow him. And he's in control from now until that time. Despite the division, despite the conflict, despite all the activity and the flux, they cannot touch him. He remains for the moment the elusive Jesus. And only a few believe. Only a few find him. But at the right time, at God, at his Father's perfect timing, despite the turmoil around, he will return to his Father and his God. And after that time, the period of flux and uncertainty, the mix of the cake being put together, that time will be over. And Jesus when the cake is baked, will no longer be elusive. You see, in Jesus' mission and throughout John's Gospel, he is totally in control. In Jesus' mission, his Father is taking him to the cross. And there, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world will be raised up from the world and executed. And he, the Lamb of God, will bear in his body the sins of the world. He will die for his people. He will bear the Father's wrath for their sin in his body. He will be the sacrifice, the atonement, the payment the the, the covering over of sin. And when he dies on the cross, his mission that he's totally in control of will be complete. But God's purposes through him won't be complete. At God's perfect timing, he will rise on the third day 
to resurrection life. He will conquer death. He will defeat Satan. He will overcome the grave. And he will appear to many, many people who will see him in his physical resurrected body. And at God's perfect timing, he will ascend to heaven and return to his Father. As he promised here in John chapter 7. And those who reject him, those on the wrong side of the division, will not follow him. For them, Jesus will remain elusive. But not all reject him. Some believe. And for them, Jesus does not remain elusive. See, where is the Lord Jesus? Who is the Lord Jesus? Well, there's the answer. He is the Lord Jesus. He's no longer in a state of flux. There is no longer in him any sense of transition. The time has been fulfilled. On the cross, before he gave up his spirit, he cried out in a loud voice and said, It is finished. And victory was won. Today our risen Lord is enthroned on high and he is seated, which is a symbol of his mission having been completed. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is conquering king. He is Lord of all. He reigns over all. And he is always interceding for his people. He stands there as the perfect human for you imperfect and me imperfect humans in our place so that we may approach him by faith, simply by believing him and through him we may approach God the Father and enter into the most holy place. The fullness of the kingdom of God and all we need to do is hear Jesus just like in John's Gospel, believe Jesus and obey Jesus. Hear, believe, obey. It's said so beautifully in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. The Lord Jesus, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. He's sacrificed and he is priest. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. you just got to believe in Jesus and you can approach the God. He saves completely. He is the conquering king in whom we trust. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. When Jesus, the priest, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, it is finished. He sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits, there's still a time to come, for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. There he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, having made us holy who believe in him. 
through his one perfect sacrifice. And through Jesus we may approach the throne of grace with confidence. Again in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then, because we have such a great high priest, such a great Lord who intercedes for us, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Oh, what's this got to do with the day of prayer? That the time of flux is over, that Jesus has returned to the Father. If we believe we have such confidence, the book of Romans chapter 8, where is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Verse 33. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns those whom God has chosen? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or nakedness or famine or persecution or danger or even the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor powers, nor the present nor the future, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because the time of transition is over and Jesus' work and victory has been won and he has gone to the Father. And he can be known. He is not elusive. And it gives us great confidence and we have a day of prayer that for those of us who hear, believe and obey, that we can look to our Lord the same Lord that we meet in John's Gospel and know that he intercedes for us and that we pray with confidence though we are fallen, though we are weak, though we need to keep confessing, yet we can stand and pray with confidence because our risen Lord, our conquering Lord has won the victory, has forgiven our sins one day we will be with him in the presence of his Father without blemish, without barrier forever. All praise to Jesus, to whom be the glory, glory in the church and for all ages. Amen. Well, even though we see in chapter 7 there's lots of confusion, there's lots of um, division, it's what we also see is those who uh, are able to accept Jesus, those who are able to believe in him, he is there um, offering himself.
plain to see. He is the Son of God. He is God himself. Um, and he's there to offer life, eternal, peace with God and salvation. So as we uh, close our time together, let's uh, stand and we'll sing, uh, committing ourselves to God uh, as we sing, O Great God of Highest Heaven. Uh, Please stand and we'll sing together. Bye.